700 years before Jesus was even born that he would, what he would be like. He prophesied about his characteristics, his titles, what he would experience. But then when I stop and think about it, why should I be amazed that these things were prophesied about Jesus years before his birth? You know, the Bible as a whole was talking about salvation of mankind. It, you know, from Adam and Eve, you know, when they sinned in the garden. So God's desire is for us to walk with him and to commune with him. He loves us and he wants us to have a permanent relationship with us. And ultimately, he wants, us to, he wants to have a relationship with us in heaven. So that, that is why Jesus was sent. He was sent to give us salvation and ultimately a relationship with God. And some of the Jews, they understood it and they got it. In Jesus' day, that is. You know, they, they, they got it in Jesus' days. They, they got it that he was the prophesied Messiah. But the largest part of the Jews missed it, and they didn't realize that the Messiah had come and that he had gone. And that, that makes me think, you know, like the scripture that was read this morning, you know, how much are we like the Jews in Jesus' days? Are we missing what scripture is telling us? Are we going, are we going to be ready for Jesus' second coming? That was read this morning in the scripture reading that we need to be ready. Jesus is coming. There's no doubt in my mind that he is coming. That, and we're told to be ready to have our lights lit and to be burning. You know, just think about the ten virgins, about being a light in the world. How God is our source of power. And only God is our source of power and light. And do we know him in an intimate and daily way? Are we getting it? Are, are, are we too busy with the cares of the world, living life, and letting the years go by? It's so easy to do, just let, let things go by. Life doesn't seem to slow down. It seems like we have to be intentional and proactive in what our daily lives look like. Otherwise, it just kind of slips by. And we, and we, but uh, being intentional and proactive is is one thing that I was thinking about this week. So this morning I want to, let, let's just stop and look at the big picture, the big picture framed from the beginning of time, in which Isaiah, he helps to paint for us who God is and who Jesus is. So once again we want to look through throughout Isaiah, which is full of prophetic words and insights into who Jesus is. So let's start by reading Isaiah 11, chapter, yeah, let's go to chapter 11 and read verses 2 to 5. So if you want to turn there. And this, all of these scriptures are going to be talking about Jesus. And this, this one here is also talking about Jesus. So beginning in verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, 
and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Okay, so here in verse 2, it's prophesied that Jesus will be empowered with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will empower Jesus in a threefold way. It says he's going to be empowered with wisdom and understanding. He's going to be empowered with counsel and might, with knowledge, and with the fear of the Lord. And then in verse 4, it tells that he will be a judge and that he will judge with righteousness, equality, and with a rod. So th those are a few characteristics of Jesus. Now I'd like to uh, turn to Isaiah 42. I'm going to read uh, the first six verses of that. Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 6. Starting in verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I will put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto the truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he hath set judgment in the earth, and the owls shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, He that createth the heavens and stretcheth them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and, and spirit to them that walk therein. I the Lord have called thee in righteousness, I will hold thine hand and I will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of thy people for a light to the Gentile. These verses, they also talk about Jesus and who he is. In verses 1, 3, and 4, it says that he will bring forth and establish justice. So Jesus is a just person. Verse 2 says that he is quiet. Uh, he will not shout or raise his voice in public. That's uh, the New Living Testament puts it that way. Verse 3 says that he is gentle. The person that is hanging on by the slightest thread of hope, or that person that is still smoldering with hope, Jesus is going to see the potential and not break the thread or pinch the wick, but he's going to, flan he's going to fan that hope from despair into full flame. He's going to gently encourage them and build them up in their faith. And verse 4 brings out the idea that Jesus will persevere in his calling here on the earth. He's going to stick with it. I, I was thinking about the first time that I heard the word persevere. I was probably around 12 years old, and my dad had been working on some plugged-up field lines from the septic tank. And it was an older house where we lived at. And back in those days, they used short sections of pipe to... Um, you know, for the field lines. And so my dad, would, as he was digging those field lines up that were plugged up with a shovel and a mattock, he was replacing them. And my brother and I, we had helped him some that evening. And, and as I recall, we were, uh, it was getting later and we were getting ready for bed. And so we went in and 
got in our pajamas and we were standing at the, the window overlooking the area that my dad was working. And uh, out there in the yard there, he had a oil lamp hanging on the uh, old, or a lantern hanging on the, the wash line. And uh, he was working by that light, and it was hot. I remember it was hot and muggy because we had been out there too, and the mosquitoes were were biting. And I think my dad had taken his shirt off, and and he was, uh, you know, he was sweating away, and and he continued to work out there. And so my brother and I, we were standing in the window. We were we were ready for bed, got our baths and everything, and in our pajamas. And my brother Carl, he looked over at me and he said, "Now that's perseverance." And that was the first time I'd heard that word. And uh, even though I didn't know what the word meant, I didn't need an explanation, you know, because I didn't need to go to the dictionary because, you know, my dad was acting it out. He, he, he continued to work out there, and I knew that he was, he was going to stick to the job, and I could see that he was doing that. He was going to stick to the job till the job was finished, till he got the drain lines flowing again, and, uh, you know, the so that so the house could you know the drains could work again properly and uh, and that's the idea that's brought out there in verse 4 that Jesus is going to persevere and he he will persevere till the end then in verse 6 it says that Jesus will be a light and we as Christ's servants have the opportunity to share in that mission of bringing Jesus light into the, a dark world and, and just think about it, that we as Christians today, we can help the Messiah still to fulfill that, that mission of bring, being a light to the world. We're a part of that by letting his light shine through us. But before we can be a light to others, we must first let his light shine in us so that we, we can demonstrate it to others. And there's, there's more scriptures we could look at, but I want to turn to one more yet. And that's a very familiar one. It's Isaiah 53, if you want to turn there. And I'm going to read starting in verse 4. Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 12. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, 
He shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of his Lord and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I, will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So verses uh, 4 to 6 bring out the compassion of Christ for us. You know, Jesus took upon himself the consequences of sin that comes from fallen man. He suffered on the cross for our sins, even though he himself was, a, was sinless. And that's, that, that's real compassion. If we who know what Christ did for us reject him, I think our sin is much greater than the ancient Israelites who could not know what happened in the past like, like we do. We can look back and we can see what he did. And then in verse 6 it says, Yet all, the word all stands out, all have strayed and Jesus died for all of us. So no, no matter how much we've rejected Christ, he will have compassion on us. And then in verse 9 it says, Jesus was innocent. And it talks of his sinlessness. Verse 11 talks of his saving power. So to recap a little bit of Isaiah and of who Jesus is in those three chapters, he's full of wisdom and understanding. He's a counselor. He's mighty. He has knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He's a judge who is just. He's quiet and he's gentle. He'll persevere in his job. He's a light. He's full of compassion so much that he died for us even though he was innocent and sinless. And he's also the saving power for us in our sins. So why is it important to know who Jesus is and his characteristics? It's important to me because he's my role model. You know, I, I want to be like him. And he, I, I think I can say that he's my idol. Everything that Jesus is, I want to be exactly like him. Every characteristic of Jesus, I want to have in my life. So, you know, I want, I want to be exactly like him. When we follow someone, it's important to discern the character of who you're following. The story is told of... Miss X, as she stood in a crowded corner, the traffic out along, along the street side, the traffic was at its height, and as she stared at the thickly tangled come and go of cars, of cabs and, and cards, she didn't dare to venture in among the dangers of that moving mass. May I cross the street with you, madam? And she turned and saw an elderly stranger with lifted hat and, gallant, and a gallant smile. Oh, thank you, said Miss X, and the stranger grasped her arm with a firm grip, and together they plunged boldly into the wild crush of the moving vehicles. In and out, right and left, up and down, they zigzagged at imminent peril of life and death. Pedestrians on the sidewalk stopped and looked at them, 
Drivers and chauffeurs shouted and swore at them. It was plain to all that they were in unusual that, that, that they were in unusual danger. The escort of Miss X, still wearing his gallant smile, still grasping her arm, really seemed to make no effort to avoid the oncoming vehicles. He darted erratically and yet calmly this way and that. At last, by a miracle, the other side was reached. Miss X then jerked her arm away from her escort's grasp. It's no thanks to you, she said with a look of scorn, that we weren't both killed. Why, the way you positively courted danger, I would think you were blind. Madam, I am blind, he replied. That's why I ask if you would cross the street with you. That's why I ask if I could cross the street with you. So it is important to know who we're following. Who are you following? Do you know who Jesus is? What characteristics, uh, the, the characteristics of who you're walking with? Uh, do, you, do you know Christ's characteristics? The New Testament confirms what Isaiah prophesied in the Old Testament, and I want to take a look at a few of the New Testament things that, that we talked about from the New Testament side of what we talked about in the Old Testament. In Matthew 11, verse 29, it speaks of Christ's meekness and humility. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Christ is meek and lowly. In 2 Corinthians 10.1, Paul beseeches the Corinthians by the meekness and gentleness of Christ through Christ's authority, quoting, Now I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And then we know of Christ's humility in John 13.5, where Jesus demonstrated it to us by his example. And it says that after that he poureth water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel, wherewith he was girded. And then why don't you turn with me to Matthew 8, verses 14 to 17. Matthew 8, 14 to 17. Here it talks about how Jesus bears our sickness and he heals our he, he, he heals us physically and casts out devils that may oppress us. And Jesus demonstrates to us his saving power over sickness and evil, which are the consequences of living in a fallen world. So starting in verse 14. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Hebrews says that he not only bears our sickness, but as well as our sins. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 8 points this out. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Uh, 
And then in Matthew chapter 9, 36, chapter 20, 34, and Luke 7, 13, each speaks about Christ's compassion for mankind. It says, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. And so Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And then when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. So, and then Peter emphasizes how Christ was as silent as a lamb. In 1 Peter 1.19 it says, But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. And then in John, Jesus was and is the light of the world. John 8.12 and in 2 Corinthians 4.6 it says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Then I want to read 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then the wisdom that Jesus had astounded people. Matthew 13, 54 says he taught them in the synagogue and insomuch that they were astonished. And then also, Jesus also has power over all flesh and of the world. Matthew 28, 18 says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then Jesus used that power to do good, as Acts 10.38 says, and then I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, it says, God anointed Jesus with power, and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. So in closing, I'd like to leave you with the question, who are you modeling your life after? Are you known by Christ's characteristics in your daily walk? Who is Jesus?